This is The House Call. Welcome to The House Call Podcast. We're back. We're back. New week, new episode. Coming at you with two episodes starting now. First things first, it's been a hell of a week. With that being said, the NFL is officially replacing the Pro Bowl with a week-long skills competition and a flag football game. So after years of the Pro Bowl not being as fun as it looks on paper... We're getting away from that comp- that competition. We're getting towards something that's going to be more entertaining, more fun for the fans. Moving forward, last night, it looks like we had a pretty serious injury to Sterling Shepard. He went down. Unfortunately, it's come out. He's tore his ACL, so the Giants are down a receiver going for the rest of the season. Now, will this mean an emergence for Kenny Galladay? Probably not. I can hope so. <laughs> With that being said, Trent Williams, 49ers superstar tackle, could be out for a potential of four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Keep a note on that high ankle sprain. Another notable player has a high ankle sprain. We'll come back to that. But let's move forward. So we had a crazy, crazy slate of games. The first game I want to start with is the Bills and the Dolphins. Joe, what are your thoughts about what happened with the Bills and the Dolphins? I mean, so the Dolphins basically beat a Bills team that was running, you know, practice squad defensive players out there. Micah Hyde got put on IR uh, before, I think it was earlier in that week, like uh, Thursday or Friday. We found out he was not going to be playing probably the rest of the season, which is way, way more severe than any of us thought it was going to be. And then, you know, it just, everything about that game looked like the Bills should have won that game. I think we all here picked the Bills to win that game. I think it was almost a unanimous pick for the Bills to just blow the Dolphins and bring them back down to earth. And, and it just didn't happen. And now I have to deal with RG3 going on ESPN telling me that the, that the Dolphins are the best team in the NFL. Are you... Where is Miami? Oh, I mean, Miami's the best team in the NFL right now. Serious right now with that. I mean, what, what is he watching? Okay, outside of one play in the New England Patriots-Miami Dolphins game to open the season, one play in the first half of a Ravens game, and then a fourth quarter that really d- d- took a Ravens secondary to completely collapse... Tua Tagovailoa in that Dolphins offense has done literally nothing. If they don't score on that Jalen Waddle touchdown in the week one, the offense puts up six points. All right. Outside of the 14 points they put up in week two, if you don't count the other 300 passing yards that somehow he he got in the fourth quarter of that Ravens game. I mean, seriously, look at the stats of that Ravens game. Outside of one 59-yard pass to uh, Tyreek Hill in the first half, he does nothing. He had 205 yards on 23 of 33 with two touchdowns and two interceptions. He ended up with five, what, 565 yards in that game? And, you're, and people are going to tell me that it's not a, a Baltimore Ravens defensive collapse when he outdoes his entire production in a quarter of what he's had through three quarters? That is a collapse of a defense. So realistically, the Dolphins are three and zero by sheer luck, and I'm going to continue to say that. And then he's come, and RG three comes out and goes, "Oh, they're the best team in the NFL." Have you seen the Eagles, bro? Have you seen what the Eagles are doing outside of them squeaking out one against the Lions? Who, by the way, the Lions are the number three best offense in the league, and they look like it on 
more outside of just like a play here, a play there, and a fourth quarter collapse of a Ravens defense. Mm-hmm. They look like it the entire time. That the Lions, I think, have a better offense than than Miami does. Miami's getting lucky. All right. And if they continue this streak of luck, they're going to get exposed when they meet good teams. And this is not going to be pretty. They're going to get absolutely dominated. All okay. right. Okay. Nick, your thoughts? Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm kind of in agreement with Joe there. I think that the Dolphins have been handed wins. Uh, they sh- First off, they shouldn't have beat the Ravens. Don't know how that happened. And this week, they I think Josh Allen lost the game for the for the Bills. So that there was a missed touchdown catch by Gabe Davis. Uh, there was penalties. There was they they threw the ball sixty three times uh, and held the and held the held it for forty minutes out of the sixty of the game. Like how does how does the other team even win through that? It was because Josh Allen fumbled inside the five, and then they they ended up getting that extra touchdown. So I think we'll see the Dolphins get exposed here on on Thursday. Okay, Tom. Yeah, uh, really, I, I think you both hit the nail on the head. Uh, it's not – the Bills had a bad game, and a lot of things went wrong for the Bills. Uh, another thing that was big was a lot of cramps, a lot of dehydration. They didn't seem ready for the heat and the humidity, and the Dolphins really <laughs> – yeah, the Dolphins really took care of them there. Uh, I think that the Bills were just really riding their momentum and maybe didn't – plan for this game the way they should have and that's why their offensive coordinator kind of uh was so frustrated at the end of the game there uh interesting note they had their first third and 10 plus yards at four minutes and three seconds left in the first half of this game of the entire season so (laughs) they've just been so dominant on offense i don't think they were ready for just an ugly game in ugly conditions that they lost to the Dolphins. So I'm not worried about the Bills at all after this week. I do have to mention one other uh, Dolphins punter Thomas Morstead has now created the butt punt block. Uh, What was it with these AFC East teams, man? Right. Punting the ball directly into his own player's butt. And I have to note, Mark, Mark Sanchez, the orchestrator of the great butt fumble, tweeted, quote, hey, bro, stay out of my lane. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, how I do you have that happen in a game oh, and you win? You know what I, I mean? Know. At least I when Mark Sanchez had the butt fumble, he lost the yeah. game. Yeah. You know, that's what when you have plays like that. You lose games, all right? Like, everyone saw Jimmy Garoppolo rolling out of the back of the end zone, and Dan Orlovsky is like, finally, somebody else has done this. And you know what happens? The 49ers lost that that game. Mm. Dan Orlovsky's Lions lost that game. Mark Sanchez's Jets lost that game. It's like the Dolphins can do no – like, anytime they do something bad, it just turns into something positive for them in some freaky way, and they somehow turn – that makes no sense. Anyone who's watching this Dolphins team is like, hey – we're going to we're going to do good this year. We're going to win the AFC East. You're out of your mind. I'm sorry. Let me ask you this at least. Do you at least give some sort of credit to the Dolphins coaching staff? No. To able Yes. I, I can't. I can't. You're you're literally winning by sheer luck. All right? And and if there's a if I'd rather be lucky is the thing. Rather be lucky than good. They're lucky than good. All right? Like that's how I feel. And and then don't don't even get me started on Tua and that guy was concussed. Okay, 
that's a that's a fair point. I'm gonna agree with you there. That is a he was concussed. I hope they are fine with that investigation because watching him walk wobble around like he was drunk was terrifying. So Joe, I, I got pushed back a little bit. Josh Allen attempts 63 passes, throws for 400 yards, and has two touchdowns, and the Dolphins held him to 19 points. So, yes, the Bills were not clicking the way they should, but an offense that could not even be brought to a third and 10 until this week were held to less than 20 points. So, I'm not in on the Dolphins. We all know this. It seems none of us here are in on the Dolphins. But give them credit where credit is due. They beat a good team this week. They're three and zero. I would even say I would say that everything had to go right for them to win. You can't even say everything went right for them because, they, like I said, you kicked the bunt, you kicked the ball into your your punt protection's ass, and you won a football game. You cannot. I cannot give credit to a coach. I cannot give credit to a team. You said he threw 63 times, had over 400 yards. I don't think the Dolphins got over 250 total yards of offense. I felt like they didn't right? have to. Exactly. So they didn't have to. Like literally, the, every game, every game they've played has been handed to them, and they're three and zero. And and like, I I can't. I I will not concede this point. This is the you, you remember how we always say, oh, there's a hill I'll die on. I will die on this hill. I have Miami Dolphins fans, friends that are fans right now of the Dolphins, and they're losing their mind on Facebook, like all these posts and stuff, and it's blowing up in my newsfeed. And I just, I can't even comment on it because they know I'm a Patriots fan, and they're just going to call me a hater. And everyone who's going to comment on this video is going to call me a hater. And I'm telling you right now, look at the damn numbers, please, to God. Outside of those plays, Tua Tagovailoa is a middle-of-the-pack quarterback. Their defense is giving up yards all the time. The only thing that they have going for them is that, like, they somehow get the ball in their hands. I mean, two or through three drop picks in week one. All right. That Ravens game all the way up until the fourth quarter. That's Tua. That's who Tua is. He's a two. He's a going to turn the ball over, not going to throw over two on around 200 yards. That's it. Like I said, if you remove the fourth quarter, what he did against the bills and that one play against the uh, Patriots, do you know how many yards he has passing on average? Like 198 per game. His completion percentage is around 70%. I'll give him that. And they're winning, Joe. They're winning. It's, he, exactly. They just beat yeah. the Bills. Tua made 13 completions in this last months. game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. 13 completions is insane. But you look at any of these other teams, you know, 13 completions, they're not even going to get 10, 10 points against the Bills. So I agree. I'm not sold on Tua, none of that. But you have to give credit to the coaching staff that yeah these teams these two very good teams in the bills and the ravens gave them free chicken and they took it and they won joe let me make this let me i'm sorry to cut you off nick let me put it this way tua doesn't have to be good what if tua turns out to be the ultimate game manager i'm just saying think about it you've had these kirk cousins and they're never winning a playoff game let I mean, I don't know what to tell you here, man. He has a better record than Kirk Cousins. I'll say that. Terry Bradshaw, one of the ultimate game managers. Successful. But let's... Nick, go ahead before we... Yeah, I was on. just going to add a quick point there. So, uh, I'm not a believer in Tua, but the coaches are putting him in the right spot. And when they are when they are doing that, they're, I think, it, was it the third and 22 that he converted? With a deep ball to Jalen Waddle, right, right down the middle, 
Um, so not many QBs can put, put that perfect placement. And it, it, it was uh, where Micah Hyde was supposed to be. So I, I don't know if the Bills would allow that again, but it did happen. And that was a big reason that they, that they won. I definitely agree. But let's move forward here before Joe's head explodes. <laughs> the Jags and the Chargers. This game, I feel like it stunned everyone who watched it. Thomas, I'm gonna let you take it away. What were your thoughts watching this Jags, Jags and Chargers game? Yeah, so I was wrong last week uh, because I did not think the injuries would have this serious of an impact on the Chargers, but it decimated their offense. Missing Keenan Allen, which we've talked about a lot, and that offensive line, Corey Lindsley, obviously on defense, JC Jackson, and then Joey Bosa, the, the one person you really can't afford to lose is gone in the first quarter with a groin injury. So I'm not, I'm not saying that it can entirely be chalked up to injury, and I'll get to that in a second, but injuries were clearly hurting this team. And surprisingly only one sack, but it felt like more. With Herbert was feeling the pressure, uh, 25 for 45 with a touchdown and interception. Uh, Austin Eckler was asked after the game about it, and he said, we have to get the ball running. We have to run the ball and uh, get more efficient so that Justin Herbert to open up the passing game. Because if you don't have a running game, you cannot open up the passing game. Eckler was four rushes for five yards. So I'm not blaming it all on injury. Certainly a lot of it on injury. But this good offense with lots of pieces is not clicking right now. And they got to figure it out. So I I don't know what the Chargers are doing at all. Actually, they're they went into a game with a QB who's pretty hurt, and you think that they would start off running the ball. And I know that you got down a little bit early early on in the game, but four rushes four rushing attempts for Austin Eckler. I don't I don't even know how that makes sense at all. And you're not you're not going to win the game by throwing it 45 times. So to bring up another stat about that, uh, because you said you can't you can't just throw the ball. I looked this up for week three. There was more than there was eleven QBs who threw the ball for forty more attempts, and ten of them lost. Wow. And the only one that won was a, was playing another one who threw forty. So there was gonna, there was going to be an automatic winner. So <laughs> I think I think that a, a common denominator is you, you're going to have to run the ball in the NFL to win. If, if the defense knows you're going to just pass, sit back and pass every single time, it gets easy to cover. I just don't think that there's any NFL teams out there that can do that. Oh, yeah. Joe, and, uh, I'm oh, yeah. sorry. Go ahead, Nick. Uh, so um, I'm, also, I'm also completely bought in on the Jags now. Uh, it's pretty crazy for me to say that. I never thought those words would ever come out of my mouth. Uh, but what Doug Peterson has done, and he's, I think he's revol re revolutionizing the offense, they're using James Robinson correctly. They've put up the, the young wide receivers out there, and we're seeing Trevor Lawrence uh, White. He's he's the number one pick, and he's showing it now. Oh, most definitely, Joe. So, I, first thing I want to talk about is: can we all acknowledge the fact that the division in the AFC that we were like we could see all four of these teams coming out of this division and being in the playoffs this year looks like complete garbage through three weeks? Can we acknowledge that? Can we acknowledge that the AFC West looks like a yeah. complete dumpster fire 
of, of uh, teams, Denver's winning in spite of Russell Wilson. I'll give exception uh, just the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs just got beat by the Colts, who got blown out by the Jaguars and tied the Texans. Well, we'll, so, we'll I mean, I can't even, I can't even second, say the Chiefs. We'll talk, the yeah, Chiefs actually, we'll, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, we'll get to the other minute. three. We'll start with the other yeah. three. We'll, we'll start with the other three. We'll get to the Chiefs and the Colts in a minute. But that entire division looks like a straight dumpster fire. I mean, Josh McDaniels is on the verge of getting fired in Oakland or Las Vegas now. Sorry. Um, I've lived through them being in Oakland for forever. And uh, Denver can't buy a win. The Jaguars are rolling out the the, the freaking uh, hospital ward out there on offense and defense and somehow are getting their smacked around. Austin Etler is getting four carries, he said he got? Mm-hmm. Like how, okay, if Keenan Allen's not playing, Austin Eckler is your best offensive weapon outside of mm-hmm. Justin Herbert, who yeah. is hurt, which makes Austin Eckler your best offensive weapon. And if you do not get him involved in the offense, for the love of God, please, he's going to help you in. But thank God, I guess Keenan Allen's playing next week, so they'll get him back. But Justin Herbert can't hardly throw the ball because his ribs are falling apart inside of his body. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Makes no sense. And I'm I'm with... Yeah. Their their left left tackle just went down too. Yeah. And Bosa's out. JC Jackson's out. So the defense we thought was going to be amazing is gone. The offense hasn't been healthy since what the Last first season. two snaps of week one when Keenan Allen went down yeah. and Mike, Mike Williams is, is showing up and then forgetting to come to the, the odd numbered week games. The chargers look like a dumpster fire right now. And it's not, it doesn't look like it's going to get any better because honestly, those rib injuries, if you got to throw anyone who's thrown anything knows that like your side is yeah. very heavily involved. Oh yeah. And now to the plus side of this game, I'm hundred percent buying on the Jaguars. I mean, like Nick nailed it. Trevor Lawrence looks like you would expect a number one overall pick to look. And you know what? It, it just proves that if you have complete turmoil and you don't have any anything that's like any cohesion in a, in a team or an organization, it ruins what you put on the field. And then exactly. you get rid of Urban Meyer, who was by far the, the person who was just kept throwing things on the fire there in Jacksonville last year. And you saw at the end of the season, the Jaguars look like a good team. And then they come out this year and... You know, week one, they got off to a little bit of a rough start. They didn't win. But week two, they blow the Colts out of the water. Didn't even let them score. And who would have thought that would have happened? Looked just like week 18 last year. And then they come out and they face a Chargers team. Granted, an injured Chargers team. And they blow them off the field. So, I mean, the Jaguars look 100% legit. That defense is flying around. Trevor Lawrence is slinging that ball. Zay Jones, thank you. For, for being what I said you would be on my waiver wire segment because uh, 24 points this week. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Blown up. I hate to be the Achilles heel here, but I look at this Jags team and yes, what happened was great, but we have to ask ourselves this question. Just like you said, Joe, would Miami be able to do that against a good team? Will Jacksonville be able to do that against a good team? I mean, they put up as many points against the Chargers as the Chiefs did, and we think the Chiefs are one of the best offenses in the league. Well, the beauty of so, it is we're going to see against the Eagles this week. Yeah, exactly. I am it's really going to be excited. a damn foot race. I, I hope it's Doug a Peterson's race. his revenge game, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Oh, this, 
that's going to be a game and a half right there. Yep. With that being said, let's go ahead and take a second to acknowledge our sponsors here. Sundays are a ritual in my house. One important part of that routine is drinking liquid IV. I love staying hydrated and Liquid IV makes that so easy, especially when I have 12 hours of enjoying football ahead of me. There's so many delicious flavors. My personal favorite is passion fruit. One stick of Liquid IV and 16 ounces of water hydrates faster than just water alone. Get 25% off and free shipping when you go to liquidiv.com and use code the underscore house underscore call underscore podcast at checkout. Experience better hydration today at liquidiv.com and remember to use the code the underscore house underscore call underscore podcast or click the link in the bio. We get back to our game review. I just wanted to take a moment here and plug our merch store. We've teamed up with Society6. We've got some great merch out. We've got water bottles, t-shirts, blankets, for all our different logos, you want something with the podcast logo, you want something with the House Bets logo, you want something with uh, Rob's personal logo, we've got it all. Society6 house, slash the House Call podcast. Our link is in the description. Let's get back to it. Scrolling below. <laughs> exactly. Let's get back to it, boys. Chiefs and the Colts. My, oh, my, oh, my. Joe, I'm going to let you start it off on this one. Okay, so um, now now I'll talk about it. The AFC West is starting to look like a dumpster fire. And the Chiefs are the one, the lone bright spot, keeping it from just turning into an outright blaze of a dumpster fire right now. And then they lose to the Colts, who, like I said, got blown out by the Jaguars and tied the Houston Texans. They're now 1-1-1 one, one, and one through three weeks. All right, that's not a team you're supposed to lose to. Now I get it. It's in Indy. That place gets loud. It was their, I think, was it their home opener? Right, they played Jacksonville and Jacksonville, Houston and Houston. So it was their home opener. You come out, but in a game, like you're supposed to be one of the best offenses in the league, and you showed it through the first two weeks. You looked like the legit one of the legit best offenses in the league. You looked like you were up there with the Bills. You were up there with the Eagles. You were up there with surprisingly, like I said, the Lions being one of the best offenses in the league. And then you come out against a Colts team, and nothing went right for the Chiefs. Let's be let's be 100 clear. Sky Moore had probably the worst punt return game he could possibly have in his young career. All right, like there he's hit rock bottom in the punt return game. You can't go much lower than that unless you muff like what two punts in a game, right? And and it, you look at the Colts, what they were done. They finally got healthy. Michael Pittman was out there. Alec Pierce is out there. They got some of their past uh, receivers back, and they started to look a little bit like what you hoped they would look like with Matt Ryan under center in comparison to Carson Wentz. That being said, I don't even know what to make of the playoffs situation in the AFC right now because teams that are supposed to be wiping the floor with other teams are losing. And teams that, like, like there was a thing that came out last week where they said, uh, this is some of the worst 2-0 and teams we've ever seen. You have the Giants were 2-0, and, and it's just, it's, it makes no sense, right? And a lot of the 2-0 teams got exposed this week. They lost, right? Chiefs lost, Bills lost, and, and those are the teams we thought would be 3-0, right? Like, if I told you by the end of week three that only two teams would be undefeated and it's the Eagles and the and the Dolphins before week before the season started, you would look at me like I was crazy. You would be like, Joe, quit smoking that shit, go to rehab, You're, you need to get off the drugs. And now by coming into week four, those are the two undefeated teams. So I, I just, like I said, 
the AFC West is a dumpster fire to me. And I, I honestly thought that the Chiefs offense would regress without Tyreek Hill. And then through two weeks, it's like, huh, maybe I was wrong. And then they come into week three and I'm like, okay, maybe I was right. <laughs> right. I mean, as somebody who looked at that offense and this is probably, a, this is a hot take. I kept saying, well, Hardman's going to step up for Tyreek Hill. God, I was wrong. But Nick, please go ahead. So I think uh, every this is an overreaction week. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and overreact on the on the Chiefs losing to the Colts. There's there's been a lot of stats showing that the home underdogs in the first three, four, five weeks of the NFL season actually usually has the edge. Uh, it's really weird, but the Colts just came off a 24-0 loss. They wanted to prove prove it, so they they got some key plays to turn their way. I think Chris Jones had a boneheaded mistake to cost him a fourth down play. And that's what ended up getting the, the Colts uh, the lead there. And I think that the the Chiefs will, will figure it out on offense. Patrick Mahomes is one, a generational talent. It's it, it may take a couple more weeks for them to find it out with Juju and a few of those other wide receivers. But I believe that that offense with Travis Kelsey, Mahomes and Juju they will figure it out and they will they will be the top three in the AFC. Uh, okay, I'm right there with you. Tom, what you got? So there's a uh, Toby Keith song that's, I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. And that's what I saw with Matt Ryan. So I agree it's not an overreaction week. And because of that, I cannot forget how abysmally terrible the Colts offense was with Matt Ryan in the first two weeks. Hey, he looked really good. He was on, and sometimes that happens. And it happened on a day when Patrick Mahomes was off. So I'm not overreacting about the Chiefs. I think they're a very, very strong team. You look at the key reason they missed this game. There's two two big things. You have sloppy mistakes on offense. You know Andy Reid is going to fix that. Two fumbles, unacceptable. One of them lost. And then the other thing is Harrison Bucker being out. It just shows how important it is to have a de dependable kicker. You have a missed field goal. Well, that's enough to tie it right there. You have a mixed ex a missed extra point, which would be enough to win. And then you have a fake field goal from short distance that you know they only did that fake because they didn't trust their kicker to get it through the uprights. So, yes, the Chiefs were sloppy. Uh, it wasn't a good look, but I see it more as the Colts played a better game. They were better coached in that game. And they were the home team, like you said, Joe. And once the Chiefs clean up these little mistakes and Harrison Butker comes back, they'll be right back in it. With that being said, I do want to take a minute and acknowledge the fact that after that game, Matt Amendola, who was the kicker for that game, is was cut. I'm not sure in regards to the time frame of when Harrison Butker's going to be back, so I don't know if um, maybe he'll be back this week, or maybe they're going to go out and sign somebody else. Uh, I just pulled it here. Breaking news. They just signed Matthew Wright, so we're going to get a new kicker this week in Kansas City. But with that being said, I feel like we can all acknowledge the fact that what happened with the Colts this isn't a long-term thing. Like this isn't the Colts suddenly turning it around and we're going to see the Colts in the playoffs. Like this is the Colts are the car that's like on E and it's just now sputtering. You're going to get a moment where, Oh, this is great. And then the car's just going to die and it's going to be stuck on the side of the road. 
with that being said though i do want to ask you guys like how do you think things are going to turn out for mahomes like do you think he's going to be just as good as he he was with tyreek or just as good as even better without tyreek so that's my question to you guys anybody can go ahead whenever I, they got an answer i i just so that was the big thing right there were so many times where mahomes would extend a play and Tyreek's speed, it was the it was a ticking time bomb, right? The longer Mahomes could run around without getting tackled, it meant Tyreek Hill had more time to find space. And he almost always did, right? Him or Travis Kelsey always found space. When Mahomes extended plays, you had an 80% chance that when he threw that ball, it was going to Tyreek or it was going to Travis Kelsey after he extended the play. Mm-hmm. Well, 50% of that tandem is gone, and now everyone's keying up on Travis Kelsey, and they're waiting to see if Juju can beat him. They're waiting to see if uh, Watson can beat him. They're waiting to see if these guys can beat the other corners. And I think that the problem you run into is is like Nixon. Mahomes is has an athletic profile that's off the charts, all right? We all know his arm strength. We all know his speed. We all know his mobility. We all know the things that he can do, right? The problem is, is that you can only do those things so often, right? Like the no look passes that he does. Everyone was like, oh, that's crazy. Well, then you look and saw, you saw Matthew Stafford was doing it. Matthew Stafford is really good at the no look pass. He just one of the things that we saw all through last year. They showed cuts of it for the Rams. The problem is, is that when you don't have the talent at wide receiver, you don't do those things. Look at Aaron Rodgers right now. That offense looks terrible outside of the running backs and Robert Tanya. Why? Because the wide receivers can't catch a damn ball. They're, they're hand, they might as well go out there with oven mitts on instead of actual receiver's gloves because it won't change the fact that they can't catch the damn ball. And like I said, I, I think I said it another week. Just like Giselle said, Aaron can't throw and catch the ball. You know, he can't do it. And that's what's happening. We're seeing that kind of with, you know, the, the absence of Tyreek. It's half the reason why Tua looks as good as he does is because when he rolls out a little bit and you have a guy, your corner does make a mistake, you can't make a mistake like that against Tyreek Hill because if your safety's not paying attention, you end up having with Tyreek having eight yards of separation to the nearest player walking into the end zone on three different catches, right? Like that's, that is what's going to happen. Who's that guy in Kansas city now? Who's that guy who can do that? There isn't one. We thought it was going to be Sky Moore at the beginning of the season. There was rumors that Isaiah Pacheco could play this sort of hybrid wide receiver running back role and be that guy because he's super freaking fast. And neither of those guys showed up or have showed up. I don't think Sky Moore has got more than like two targets, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and like on average, Isaiah Pacheco outside of some garbage time game or time in week one has done nothing. And so you're looking at these guys who were essentially backups or wide receiver twos. And, you know, everyone wants to talk about how, how the Patriots wide receiver core is one of the weakest in the leagues. Tell me I'm wrong that the Chiefs aren't right there with them. I mean, I think, yeah, I, th- no. yeah, Nick, I, think I think them just having Travis Kelsey put some leagues ahead of the Patriots. Uh, I said wide receivers. I, okay. Travis Kelsey's a tight end. Yeah. Don't, don't, I, don't be mixing my I, words here, man. I, 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 I said put, wide receivers. I, I, I like to put Travis Kelsey in that wide receiver group. He's, he, he's probably what, at like 50% of the target share right now. Exactly. Uh, so I, I am worried that you, if Mahomes, if they try to let him roll out and make those crazy plays all the time, they're gonna they're gonna have issues. They need they need Mahomes to have that complimentary game where they that is every now and then. They need to be all around. Uh, I was at the Chiefs and Cardinals game week one, 
And I saw how well the Chiefs can play if they're running the ball, doing play action, and are an all-around team. Uh, I think that they can keep doing that. They just can't can't rely on Patrick Mahomes to throw it and bail them out of every situation. Most definitely, most definitely. Tom, you got anything? Well, Joe, it's funny you brought up Aaron Rodgers because that was what came to my mind first as well, which is strange because I feel like Rodgers is a lot more nasty about it than Mahomes is. But at the end of the day, they're guilty of the same thing. So Mahomes, is he's all, you know, uplifting and, and trying to build up the team, taking all the the blame on himself. But look at his contract numbers. Look at how much of that contract he's eating up. You know, Rodgers might be nasty about it and blaming the wide receivers, but it's the same problem. You can't have your cake and eat it. The reason Tom Brady was so good, it's not like Tom Brady didn't get paid. He got paid. But he was smart with his contract and he made sacrifices when needed. How do you do that with 50 million a year? You, you don't. Yeah. So I see Aaron Rodgers. I see Mahomes having a long career, probably a Hall of Famer, and one, maybe two Super Bowls. I mean, I don't see him getting five Super Bowls because they don't have anything to build around him. Yeah, they have great players, sure. I mean, Travis Kelsey, he's what, 29? Right. You know? So, you know, good players will come and go through there. But if you want a championship winning team consistently, you can't pay your quarterback that much. Yeah. Exactly. We've it, seen it multiple times. I think I, I brought up a stat one time where it was like, you know, there's not been a winning a quarterback who's won the Super Bowl who accounted for more than 15 percent of their, their team's cap. Right. Exactly. And the only way you can do that is if you draft out of your damn mind. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you have to draft out of your damn mind. And I, I think like, or you do what the Rams do. Every time your first round pick comes up, you trade it for some crazy talented guy. And you try to just keep playing financial gymnastics to squeeze those contracts under the cap. Those are the only two ways. And, and honestly, Tom Brady showed that, hey, if you count for at least 15% or less of the cap, you can win six Super Bowls and go to what, nine? <laughs> right. But I mean, for Brady's thing, I feel like people forget Brady was getting paid for his off the field stuff as well. So oh, all yeah. that, so it's kind of a touch and go situation. Like if you're Mahomes and you really don't, you have a few off the field things coming in, you're going to want to get that big money somewhere. You know what I mean? That's State Farm contract yeah, for him. State Farm. him so much damn money. <laughs> all right. Like, like that's the thing people don't understand about these, these, these athletes, right? They make a lot of money on the field, but it is pennies in the freaking the piggy bank, man. That compared to the endorsement deals they make, like do you know Jordan still makes like they were hoping. So the, we'll go to a little basketball here. When Nike signed Jordan, they thought they would they were hoping to make three million dollars off his shoes. That's it. In the first year, they were hoping three million dollars in sales. Do you know that like one? I think it was some crazy thing like once every hour. They make three hundred. They make three million dollars on Jordans. Uh, that's not surprising. It's on the sales. That's not surprising. <laughs> I mean, think about the fact that when a new shoe drops, that stuff is off the shelves. And I mean, for Brady, think about the fact that even if you put him on like a laxative commercial, people will probably buy it to spite him. You oh, the, the Hertz, the Hertz commercial <laughs> where he's plugging himself in next to the Tesla. Yeah. 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 It's insane. Oh, it's insane. But I do agree with your point here, Tom, of um, you can't win if you're taking up all that cap. So I think it's coming, 
maybe give it three, four seasons, they're going to restructure that Mahomes contract in some way, shape, or form. They better do it soon, otherwise they're going to lose every bit of talent they have on that team. Exactly, because it's it's ridiculous at that point. You know, Mm -hmm. you can't like we said, Mahomes can't throw and catch catch it himself. You know, and for Rodgers, I he should probably get a restructuring too. But I he just signed it. That's not going to happen. He's going to play that contract out and then retire and leave Green Bay in a just terrible situation. Terrible situation. I doubt it. I doubt it. But let's get to the game. I think we all want to talk about here. The Patriots and the Ravens. My, oh my, oh my. There's a lot to dissect here. So let's start with the game, and then we're going to get into some stuff after the game. So, Joe, your thoughts on the game, first things first. So, the first half and the first drive of the second half, it was all going the Patriots' way. Mm-hmm. They played it right. right. And I remember I went live with Rob before that game, and I said, he was like, do you think we need to stop Lamar Jackson? Or Mark Andrews. I said, Mark Andrews. You got to stop Mark Andrews. Because if you stop Mark Andrews, who else is Lamar Jackson going to throw to? Absolutely fucking nobody. Sorry about my language, but that's the truth. He's going to throw to no one. Because no one outside of Mark Andrews averages more than 10 targets a game. Like, he's the only one that comes close to that 10 target thing. I mean, DuVernay's getting like four looks a game. Right? Uh, What was it? Bateman is getting like maybe six targets a game. Mark Andrews got, what, 13 targets that game? He caught 10 of them? Exactly. For like 186 yards or something like that, and like two touchdowns. Like, that's the guy in that team because Lamar's going to run on you. All right. You're not going to be able to stop him every single down. Mm-hmm. But if you can stop Mark Andrews, they can't beat you. Exactly. Like, I, I 100% believe that. They cannot beat you unless you give the, give them the game at their wide receiver position because that's the only way. And we saw that when they were blowing up in week one when he was thrown all over i can't remember even who they faced he saw that when they were thrown all over the dolphins like mark andrews is the catalyst to that passing game they don't have really anybody in the running game besides lamar jackson jk dobbins got a little bit of work this week he looked okay but you know and then for the patriots if you do not turn the ball over you win football games exactly and and you look at the dolphins game Turnovers, they lost the game. They beat Pittsburgh because they didn't turn the ball over as much as Pittsburgh did. They come in there and through the first, like I said, two quarters and the first drive of the third quarter, the Patriots are winning that game. They are are doing the things they need to do. Mac Jones and the offense looks great. Devontae Parker blew up in a big way. And we everything we were hoping we would see in the offense is happening. And then all of a sudden we decide that we're just gonna start airmailing footballs to the Ravens secondary. Exactly. We did the inverse of what the what the Dolphins did to them. We were like, oh, hey, well, we're, we're kind of starting to win here, so why don't we just give you the game? Right, like, it's, this play calling is just I, it, I can't get on that. I can't get on that. I can't get on the play calling because you know what? You look at last year, okay? Mm-hmm. Look at last year. The offense stalled out on continuously. Mm-hmm. The only thing we had going was our running game until they load until we found a defense that could load the box against us and go one-on-one man press. And mm-hmm. the air yards per pass were like six yards. All right. Mm-hmm. Which was good enough for like 28th in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Mac Jones, right now, when he's making the right decisions, when he's not air, doing ill-advised deep throws and like triple coverage or overthrowing Dante Parker by like 10 yards and hitting a, a, a Raven safety. 
His yards per attempt are up like two and a half. Chunk plays are coming out of the woodwork. And when this offense is on time and per script, we're picking up chunk plays on the regular. They're not stalling out. Mm-hmm. They're moving the ball at will almost. Mm-hmm. And outside of like some bad plays and some bad decision making on Mac Jones's part, this team looks good. The defense looks good. The offense is on when it's on time. They are moving the football. Okay. And my they question, did it against all that. So my question to you guys is this. We've got two well-paid tight ends. The production has been minimal. How do you fix it? I don't know that it's going to be difficult. I think that uh, you can't have them both on the field at the same time. The reason little Jordan Humphrey is playing over Johnny Smith and or Hunter Henry at times is because he's about the same size and he moves better, mm-hmm. but he still blocks as good. Mm-hmm. So he, so you got him out there doing that. They've so Hunter Henry is kind of in a bad spot right now because he's shown that some at, he's a mediocre run blocker. So he's not on the field for those games, but you can't just put him out there for passing situations because then you're telegraphing what you're doing. You have to mix them in. And right now they're trying to be unpredictable. They're trying to show that, you know, having these guys out there and and keep the defense guessing. If you run the both dual tight ends out there and you don't run the football well with them both out there and you can't really run a passing play out of that. You can't run a play action out of that because they've already shown you can't run the football. So they're going to stay to their assignments. Exactly. You have to be able to establish a game with them on there. And right now, if they're not out there, it's because they can't. It's because exactly. John Smith isn't a run blocker. It's because Hunter Henry isn't a run blocker. So they have to figure out a way. I just don't know how that is. That's my problem is, is that little Jordan Humphrey's getting 54% of the snap or 54 snaps and like 84% uh, because he's the best run blocking tight end that they have exactly nick what are your thoughts buddy so what else what else do we need to see from lamar jackson for for the ravens to pay this man uh i know we were just talking about these qbs but i mean guys breaking records every week last last week it was one record this week he he became the first qb to throw three touchdowns and rush for a hundred yards in a season. And he did it in back-to-back games. It's it's pretty crazy. Uh, There was many times where I thought the Patriots defense had him. There's Matthew Judon or the linebackers or even the cornerbacks. And then he pulled some Houdini act and is 20 yards down the field. I I think that Lamar Jackson is going to continue that trend uh, week over week. And it's going to cost the Ravens a lot of money because they didn't sign him in the off season. And uh, on the Patriots end, I I, th- I think I was just like every other Patriot fan out there, kicking and screaming and yelling on the inside. It was it was a terrible game near the end. Uh, we our run game was great, the chunk plays were great. We just bad decision Mac, bad decision making by Mac, and and then that costly fumble as well by Aguilar. I mean that that is one of the things though. If Nelson Aguilar fumbles. We lose the game. That's, I mean, I'm just going to put that out there. So Nelson Aguilar, as long as he holds on to the football, we're going to win. Because yeah. exactly. through three games, the game he didn't fumble and we won. <laughs> so it's Nelson I mean, Aguilar's fault. I'm, <laughs> I'm yeah. right there with you. Splicing that quote of uh, Julian Julian Edelman's tweet the other day. Job security is what? Ball security. <laughs> yep. But, so. Um, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. On. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah. <clears throat> 
Well, I would reiterate what everyone has said is Mac Jones throwing three interceptions and Nelson Aguilar fumbling after a huge third down conversion. What looked like was going to set us up to get back into the game. Uh, it's on them. It's on the offense. And it's very rare to for a defense to give up 37 points. And we say the offense was a problem, not the defense. But if you watch the game, like, you know, we all were able to see at least some of it. And the issue is not on defense. The Baltimore is really good. I do want to tell a story real quick. So, oh, maybe it was five years ago. I actually think more. I watched a Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. And they had all these kicker problems. So they signed this kicker. And he was terrible. And he missed, I think it was five field goals. And it was painful, and he was crying on the sidelines. And I said, that guy is never going to play in the NFL again. What is this? He disappeared. I never heard his name again. And then I hear the Patriots have signed Nick Folk. And I was like, oh, that can't be good. This can't be good. I saw him miss five field goals in the game. (laughs) This guy just set the NFL all-time record. With 57 consecutive field goals made under 50 yards. That's not held by Adam Vinatieri. That's not held by Justin Tucker. That's held by, excuse my language, Big Dick Nick Folk. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And in all the negativity, I just want to say what a cool story to see Nick Folk come back and be able to do what he's done. It's just a cool thing to see. Going from that, we got to go to a negative here. Matt Jones gets hit, excuse me, by Calais Campbell. Dirty hit. I think it's dirty. High ankle sprain. So now the question is, will he get the tightrope surgery, be out six to eight, or will he recover naturally and do four to six? First things first, do you guys agree? Was that a dirty hit in your mind? I think that it was what two to three seconds after the play, after he threw the ball, uh, and it may have been one to two seconds, but it looks like the the defender hit him. He could have let go, and then it, to me, it looks like he put more of his weight on and brought him down, and that's how Mac got injured. And the the NFL wants to see QBs protected. They should have thrown a flag there, in my opinion. Can't you can't be having franchise QBs go out like that? Most yeah. definitely. Joe? I mean, I, I've watched it a couple times. Uh, I haven't seen it live yet. I didn't get a chance to watch the, the back end of this game. I've had to watch the highlights, read the stories, and, and and rub my eyes at it because, I mean, it is a complete collapse of an offense. Uh, but I've watched the replays, and I've only been able to see it in slow motion. So it does look late. It also looks like Calias Campbell is off balance coming in there. And I think that that contributes to what we see as as it being a dirty hit is him throwing his weight on the lower lower body of mac jones however i don't think based on the angle of which he was coming in there that he had much of a choice in the matter (laughs) or could have stopped himself really um so i wouldn't call it dirty it's unfortunate um it, it could be classified as a lay hit i think it's a 50 50 on the on the flag throw honestly it depends on how the ref sees it I don't know. 
how to feel about it other than I'm kind of disappointed that, you know, two weeks in a row we've had to have Mac injury news and this time it's actually seems like it's going to be something that's going to, you know, Axel, looking at Axel for it right. for the start Axel this mania, week. Axelmania, baby. Axelmania. So, um, I mean, it's football. Yeah, I'd agree it was a questionable hit. Uh, there wasn't a lot you could do about it. But I have seen less called. Uh, so <laughs> I think my issue is just consistency with referees because, yeah, you could have you could have called it, you could have not, but they've called much less. I agree. Now, with that being said, I do want to take a moment to all the fans that have said good to Mac being hurt. I know the picture came out and all that. That's let's not do that. Yeah, the guys had bad games. Brady had bad games. I know it's a different situation, but all the hate towards Matt, that Mac, that's unacceptable. Let's we don't condone that here. But with that being said, who are you guys more comfortable with going into this time that Mac is going to be out? Do we go Hoyer the Destroyer or do we go to the rookie? What are your thoughts, guys? Which way do we go? I mean, so right now, I don't know if you guys have seen, but Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook is blowing up with bring back Cam Newton. And that has been, a, it's been this whole thing. And everyone's like, well, he's going to have more skill position know. players now. He's going to have a better offensive line now. The running game's more established now. The only receiver left on the roster that caught a pass from him in 20, uh, 2020 is Jacoby Myers. It, you know he's going to be able to produce with this with this team, and I'm going to tell this right now. I would rather see Bailey Zappi start than sign Cam Newton. All right. That being said, I'm going to, you ask me who I'd rather see between Bailey Zappi and and Brian Hoyer. Honestly, if I get the Brian Hoyer I saw in the preseason games, like perfect time throws, on time reads, those tight windows throws, that deep ball he was showing off to Christian Wilkerson. If I get that guy to start I'm okay like that was that was the best Brian Hoyer has looked slinging a football probably since he started for, it was starting for the Browns all right and the Browns had absolutely no one so if that's the Brian Hoyer I'm getting I want Brian Hoyer that being said do I like the upside of Bailey Zappi's arm 100 percent do I think that he's ready to start an NFL game 100 percent no I do not think he's ready to go because we saw it in the preseason he would go out, he'd have one or two bad series, which usually resulted in a turnover and a three and out, <laughs> which is not something you want to do to start a game. Mm-hmm. But then he looked pretty good towards the end, towards, you know, the longer he got in there, the more snaps he got and stuff like that. But that's why he's not ready. So Brian Horner is going to start. Brian Horner is going to start this week in, in Green Bay. And if it goes bad, you're going to see what we saw in Kansas City. They're going to sit Hoyer down and Bailey Zappi's going to get snaps. And we're going to see if Bailey Zappi is going to be serviceable in the NFL. And if he comes out and he tears it up after they sit Hoyer, Bailey Zappi's starting until Matt comes back. I, I 100% believe that's going to happen. And they're just going to let him get reps. So, I mean, it's going to depend on this week is going to be Brian Hoyer. From that point on, it's how good Brian Hoyer does. Exactly. Gentlemen, you got anything you want to add? Yeah, so the we all, we all know what we're going to get from Brian Hoyer doesn't excite any Patriot fan he's he's not gonna win us the game so let's let's see what the rookie has and 
if if, if he's that that bad, then throw in Brian Hoyer. Why not? Mm-hmm. But let, let's see what the rookie has, and it, I don't I don't think either either quarterback decides the outcome. So we might as well see what 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 the guy we drafted has. Exactly. I mean, Joe. At this point, it's like you know what you're gonna get in the Hoyer, and for me, I've got a gut feeling that we're gonna get the Hoyer we saw against the Chiefs. So let's see what we have in the rookie. See how it plays out. Worst comes to worst, it's gonna sting. High draft pick. We make out like bandits. I'm gonna let Tom go real quick, but I'm, I'm saving a card. I want to call back on this before we before we end this topic. Yeah, <laughs> and I, it might be exactly what I'm gonna bring up. That's not how Bill Belichick operates, though. We're the New England Patriots, and as long as there is even the slightest chance that this team can win, he's gonna do whatever it takes until they are physically eliminated from playoff contention. And that's why there was actually reports that Mac Jones is is thinking maybe six to eight weeks, whereas the Patriots are thinking four weeks until he's back because they want to win now. That's how Bill Belichick's always been. So Bailey Zapp, Zappi is a question mark because, yes, he could play very well or he could throw a bunch of interceptions. We don't know. Like you said, Nick, um, we know what we have with Brian Hoyer. So... If you think about it, it was quarterback play that gave away this last game. Why not put him out there, run the ball, play a strong defensive game, and hope he doesn't make any costly errors? It's almost better to have an NPC, a non-playable character at quarterback, than it is to have a rookie who's going to throw interceptions. So I I think they're going to stick with Hoyer. But like has been uh, like you mentioned, Brandon, and I think Nick, you also mentioned it. Uh, yeah, if Hoyer is absolutely terrible, well, your only other option is to start the rookie, and you got to do it. But I think as long as he plays, as long as he doesn't make any headlines uh, in the game <laughs> with any bad interceptions, I think we'll see Hoyer until Mac Jones comes back. Okay, very good, very good. I'm taking now, my call back real quick. I'm taking my call back real quick. Okay, so. There has been one time where Tom, where uh, Bill Belichick has started a quarterback who was the the lesser of the experienced, and no one really knew what they had in him, and it was an unknown. And everyone knows what I'm talking about. Drew Bledsoe rolls out, gets smoked by a Jets linebacker, and we see Tom Brady. Right? No one thinks Bailey Zappi's going to be Tom Brady, but we have seen Bill Belichick make that decision before. He knew what he had in, in the veteran. And he threw the younger guy out there and the younger guy performed. The difference is, is that Tom Brady was in that offense for at least a year. He had already he had been there for a year. It was his second year in the league. This is Bailey Zappi's fourth week in the NFL. All right. Number two, who has Brian Hoyer ever thrown to? Name, name, a, name an all-star wide receiver Brian Hoyer has ever thrown to outside of his like three weeks in, in San Fran before he went down with like a really nasty injury. There isn't anybody. You can't name a single damn person who's had a thousand yard season that Brian Hoyer has ever thrown to, that other people have thrown to, that have been good. All right. I'm telling you right now, I like Brian Hoyer from a game man. We were talking about this, right? We were talking about two attack of If he's just a game manager, Joe, the Dolphins can win with him being that way. If Brian Hoyer is just a game manager and doesn't turn the ball over and keeps the offense on time, we can win games. The Patriots can win games. So if it works for Tua, and I think that, you know, Brian Hoyer probably is 
I, if he throws up two in numbers this week, I'll be like, hey, Brian Hoyer's to it. This is going to be hilarious for, for next week. I can't wait. I hope it happens. <laughs> but that's where you're at right now. And I think that Bailey, like I said, Bailey Zappi, everyone wants to look at his, his college record, right? And 62, 60, whatever touchdowns he threw in college in one year. That's insane. That's a lot of TDs, right? But that's against college-level opponents. That's against college-level corners. And let's be real, there were what? How many colleges that play NCAA football between divisions one, two, and three, right? And then like 1% of those players actually make the NFL. That tells you the kind of competition he went to or he was going up against, right? Mm-hmm. I think Bailey Zappi's got a better arm. I think he's got a better deep ball. And I think he's got a, be- a little better zip. His decision making's not there. If you want to see this game get out of hand real quick, throw Bailey. I can tell you what you're going to get out of Bailey Zappi. You're going to get probably 25, 30 attempts. He's going to complete maybe 50% of those passes. He's going to have four interceptions and no touchdowns. Okay. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair. Fair. It's going to be interesting to watch this Green Bay game for a multitude of reasons. You know, it's. As much as this is going to suck, this is going to be a long and interesting few weeks of the season. You know, oh, yeah. just, I think the Green Bay Packers right now are going off at nine and a half points. Fakes. Oh, gosh. And like, Joe, I'm, I'm taking the plus money on that. I mean, I will talk about it this week. I'm taking the plus money. 110%. I'm taking the plus money on the Patriots nine and a half. <laughs> wow. We'll talk about it house bets more. Wow. I don't blame you one bit, honestly. With that being said, real quick, I do want to close it off. I see it seems like we've gotten a lot of Belichick's gotten a lot of hate for the Patriots' struggle since Brady departed, unfortunately. Do you guys a lot of people are saying if this season doesn't go well, maybe he's on the hot seat. What are your guys' thoughts on that subject? Like, do you put the struggles on him? Like, where do you where does your view of Belichick stands now that he's got no Brady? Uh, a couple things on that. Uh, in my opinion, and from what I know of Robert Kraft, in his opinion too, Bill Belichick has the keys to the Patriots facilities for as long as he's alive. All right, it's it's simple as that. Uh, he has more than earned it. He completely turned uh, New England Patriots football around. So I, I don't like it when fans say that he should be on the hot seat. I don't think that he should ever be on the hot seat, honestly. Even if, even if they do win five games this year. What I will say is that what's made him so great is that he's able to adapt. He's able to forget about what he did last year, forget about what he did five years ago, forget about, at, at this point, he's going back 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. <laughs> um, he, he needs to adapt, and I don't know if it's working this year with what he's trying to do. He's, he's trying to just just recreate how you do an offense. I don't know. Maybe, but I, I, I guess if this experiment doesn't work out, then you better bring in an offensive coordinator next year. You better bring in a Bill O'Brien or somebody. Like, we'll give him this year to try this experiment out, but I'm not feeling good about what's going on with Matt Patricia right now. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, Tom, nobody is with that being said. Fellas, you got anything you want to add on that subject? Yeah. Uh, in regards yeah, to I the Belichick? I, I definitely, I definitely do. Okay. So you want to put the greatest defensive mind ever on the hot seat because 
the defense or because the team's not going well and the quarterback's making bad decisions in the passing game. And we want to start blaming. It's, it's the first thing we do, right? When, when we see a player who obviously regresses, we automatically want to blame the coaching, right? Because what's changed? He's got more knowledge in the NFL. He's more adapted to the schemes. He should know everything better. Why is he regressing? Well, it turns out that offenses or defenses figure you out. Exactly. They know the looks that confused you from last year, and they're going to incorporate that. It, it is a league of studying. You continuously adapt to beat your opponent, all right? Mm-hmm. And right now, we've seen that when Mac Jones makes the right decision in the play call, the offense is moving the ball efficiently. I said it earlier in this podcast. I say it again. They're moving the ball efficiently when Mac Jones makes the right read. The reads he's throwing, those deep interceptions, he's got guys open 5, 10, 15 yards downfield. But he's going for the big shot. He's trying to push the ball. He doesn't have to, but he's doing it. He's playing hero ball. That's on Mac Jones. The play calls that Matt Patricia is drawing up, they are working. So I can't blame Matt Patricia. I can't blame Bill Belichick. And everyone wants to look at how bad his drafts went. Yeah, he had a couple bad drafts in a row, right? Did it ultimately lead to Tom Brady leaving the team? Yes, because he wasn't getting the talent that he hoped he got. So Tom Brady leaves. You end up with Cam Newton, you have a down year, and you're out of the playoffs for what? One season? Mm-hmm. And then you're back in the playoffs? This this year started out no different than last year. The only difference is our quarterbacks in year two, not year one. We started out one and two last year. And we went to the playoffs. All right? We were in contention to win the AFC East again. And mm-hmm. it wasn't for a four-game skid, skid at the end of the year. Buffalo's coming to us. Not the other way around. Okay? Let's be, mm-hmm. make that 100% clear. Number two. If you put Bill Belichick on the hot seat and you fire Bill Belichick, who do you replace him with? Name one coach that's going to be a free agent next year that's better than Bill Belichick. I'll wait. There isn't one. So what are you doing? You're like, that's the one thing fans always do. Put him on the hot fire. We don't want him anymore. Who do you replace him with? Do we go get Urban Meyer again? (laughs) Do we go do something dumb like that? Do you want to be like every other team that gets rid of a a Hall of Fame head coach and then cycles head coaches every other year? You'll be like the, the Raiders who are now probably thinking about firing Josh McDaniels four games and if he doesn't win next week. Like think about it. If Josh McDaniels doesn't win next week, there is a solid chance he's without a job. If jo- and then there's a solid chance he's probably back to being the offensive coordinator of the Patriots <laughs> by week six. So who knows? <laughs> I, I will but, be genuinely stunned if McDaniels is fired before Matt Rule. I will be genuinely stunned. Yeah, I think McDaniels well, gets this is, year. He gets here. I don't know because the difference is that the Raiders have been, they have a, there's a history there, right? Of the Raiders being good. Like not recently, but the Raiders have had good teams, right? Mm-hmm. The winning is what they're trying to get back to. And when you sign Devontae Adams, you have Hunter Renfro, you have Darren Waller, you go out get Chandler Jones, you manage him with Mason Crosby, and you do all these things, and you bring in one of the greatest offensive minds in the NFL, and you're 0 3. Yeah, you're the the leash there's a lot shorter than Matt Rule over there in Carolina because you give him Sam Darnold and uh Baker and mm-hmm. the only person on your team who's viable realistically is Christian McCaffrey and like like he said he could go take a leak and end up on the injury report. So I think Matt Rule's leash is significantly longer in Carolina because they've had outside of the the early Cam Newton years absolutely nothing besides what uh, Jake Del Home right. <laughs> when they went to the Super Bowl and that's it. So, yeah, I think John, there's a solid chance that if he goes 0 4 because he's already been pulled into the owner's office, 
at 0-3, right before a news conference, there's a chance he goes 0-4 this week? Like, he loses? They're done. I picked the Raiders to beat the Titans because the Titans look like straight garbage. And they came out and beat the Raiders, and everyone's like, Derrick Henry's back. <laughs> no, no. So, so that's what that's what you get with the Raiders. So the Raiders have a he's got a significantly shorter lead. Josh, it would not surprise me that if they go 0-4, he may get camp. If they go 0-5, he's definitely getting fired. Okay. If he's I will say he's got the year. Because I mean, you think about it. You've got all those new pieces. You've got to have time for them to gel. And I know Derek Carr and Adams have the connection from college. You've got to get time to have that uh, work get together and working again and flowing concurrently, if you will. I mean, okay, so they had all preseason. They had all training camp. They're now three weeks into the NFL season, and that offense has looked like straight garbage every week. Mm -hmm. There's been no improvement. And... They're not, there's no sign it's getting better. So, I mean, I've, I've already mentioned I disagree about the timetable, but um, I did think that when they signed Josh McDaniels, it was a mistake, or signed, hired. The reason it was such a mistake is their interim coach took the mess that Gruden left that team with, brought them to the playoffs, and everybody on that team including their starting quarterback was completely praising him. And it was actually kind of surprising how involved the players were in saying that he should be hired as a head coach. Cause usually that's something, well, you know, that's not my business. That's not my call, but they were vocal to the media saying <laughs> that, that Rick Basekia should be the next head coach of the Raiders and ownership said, yeah, whatever. We don't care. He's a special teams coordinator right now for the Packers. So he is available next year. Uh, but yeah, I just thought it was stupid to not listen to the players and to the coach that just brought that team to the playoffs somehow. Yeah, yeah. If it doesn't go well, he's going to be the head coach next year. Yeah. <laughs> Let me put it this way. What McDaniels did to get the job is something everybody and their mother has probably done. They He made himself sound like a genius and went into that interview and didn't know what he was talking about. I remember it vividly. He went to dinner with the owner, had this great playbook drawn up of how he's going to utilize Waller and Foster Moreau. And what's that translate to? The him now knocking on being fired's door. Now to get back to where we were, the one thing I think Bill screwed up on, why are you not blowing up Bill O'Brien's phone? Do not, please, for the love of God, bring that man back to this offense. Wait a minute. I'm not a Bill O'Brien fan. The man, I'm just not. You want Matt Patricia over Bill O'Brien. If Because yeah. here's the thing. Bill O'Brien decided not to leave Alabama. So we don't know. He could have been reached out to by the Patriots. We don't he know. may have been. But I, I so that's the difference between me and probably everybody else watching this podcast on this podcast is that I don't think Matt Patricia's done a bad job. In 100%, Matt Jones's decision making has lost us games. How do I? How many more times I got to prove it? We're getting chunk plays in the passing game. The passing yards per attempt are up. The rushing yard game looks great. The offense is when it's on time, and the quarterback's not making bad decisions is moving the ball. So, all right, and 
So tell me how it's Matt Patricia's fault. Show me one time besides besides him dialing up a play on fourth and two where they threw a flat to, to Kendrick Bourne when he came in motion and like had three eyes on him that he's made a bad call. That he's done a bad play. They did that's two plays that I can count that he did the same thing twice and it didn't work. And it's because they're trying to find ways to use motion to help the offense. Everything else has looked good. Like they they were driving on Miami pretty much the whole game. They were driving on Pittsburgh and they looked pretty good outside of some, you know, like some things that happened here and there because of Max bad decision making or missing the guy that was open. All right. They looked like they were driving the ball and doing things that they wanted to do against the Ravens until Mac Jones started throwing picks. So tell, point to me where Matt Patricia's done a bad job and I will I will back off this hill. There's another hill I want to die on. Matt Patricia's not done a bad job. He hasn't. You can't yeah, no, you will not convince me that he has. I'll, uh, yeah, no, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to add to some of your points as well. Uh, I don't think he's done a bad job. Any, any other quarterback in the league, if they're throwing three interceptions, they're not. We're not going to sit there and blame the court or the coach. We're going to sit there and blame Aaron Rodgers for throwing three three interceptions. We're going to blame Brady for throwing three interceptions. If Mahomes throws three, we're blaming him. Most quarterbacks, if they throw that that, we're going to blame them. So I don't know why we're sitting here blaming Matt Patricia or Bill Belichick. Uh, and if any Patriot fan in my mind thinks Bill Belichick should be on the hot seat, they they should get out of town because. Bill Bell, he he's been the, in my opinion, he's the greatest coach of all time. So keep keep him here and let him let him let him work through it. Joe, explain. This is our last thing before we wrap it up. I'll, that I'll failed two point conversion with conversion with Ramondre. So so we're gonna look at through three weeks. He's made three bad calls, and and we're gonna sit here and go. Is Matt Patricia's fault that this team's one and two? But at the same time, if you look at O'Brien, if Matt, if Matt doesn't throw three picks, do we even have to do a two-point conversion? We're up twenty to third. We're up twenty to fourteen, right out of the half. And then Mac Jones starts handing the Ravens the football, and then Nelson Aguilar hands the Ravens the football. Four turnovers is why we lost that game. If they don't have to go into a two, they're not doing that two-point conversion at that point. Because why? You're up six. You kick the fucking extra point. Sorry about my language. <laughs> I mean, you will not convince me that three plays outside of three plays. Like, like Matt Patricia's done a bad job. He's called 170 offensive plays, and three of them were, were garbage. But Joe, why put a man in motion? One and a half percent. One and a half percent, Brandon. I think that, that you're, you're judging man on one and a half percent of the plays he's called. <laughs> no, so are we we're ta- are we talking about that fourth down play right here? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. About that two point conversion. The two and, point, and, the two point. Because it was a uh, two point conversion and the and, and the Kendrick Bourne. Play. Yes, those were so, the same plays. They just ran with different players. Okay, so on the fourth down one, I think that was again Mac Jones's d- bad decision making. Yeah, he should have thrown that. He should have thrown to the yeah Dante the guy Parker that, for a touchdown. Is what he should. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> most of these plays, they're they're set up. Perfect. Yeah. Mac Jones continues to throw into double and triple coverage. And what happens? Interception, or we don't convert on fourth down. So I can't it, wait it, to read the comments. Mac, Mac Jones, <laughs> Mac Jones is supposed to be praised for his decision-making. That's like, 
what what he was coming out of Alabama for. Like that was that was what he was known for. So I think we need to start seeing that from, on, as as a Patriot fan. Okay, most definitely. This has been one hell of a conversation, but unfortunately, we're out of time. With that being said, this has been the House Call Podcast. Remember, you can't watch the videos. We're on Spotify. Give us a listen. We've got merch. Links in the uh, banner and the description. We're on all your social medias. TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. You name it, we're there. We've got blogs dropping. Thank you so much to all of our sponsors. This has been the House Call Podcast signing off. These hit home runs off of. The names are outrageous. People who are in the Hall of Fame, people are probably going to end up in the Hall of Fame one day. People like Greg Maddox, Cole 